0: Before I began this morning, just want to say I do apologize for not having the scripture reading on the the screen. I failed completely, totally forgot about it last night, and I didn't get it to Brother Argo in time. So usually when something like that happens, it's on me and not on our technological team. They do a fantastic job uh, doing what they do. So thank you so very much, Brother Argo Deacon Small. Father. We thank you today because the blood never loses its power. We thank you today because of the awesome privilege you've given us to worship you. We thank you today because of the awesome privilege you have given us to pray. And so we ask now, Lord, as we preach, that you would anoint our preaching and our hearing and that you will be glorified, your people blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. In keeping with the month of March being our prayer discipline month, I want to preach from the subject, it's praying time. <laughs> it's praying time. We live in a society where self Sufficiency is the order of the day. Most of us have heard motto, slogans, or sayings promoting the idea of rugged individualism as well as the, quote, I've got this mentality, end quote. Sayings such as put on your big girl boots, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps man up take control grab the bull by the horns you've got the power you've got the ti- you've got the title you are in charge so do your thing and handle your business well our text for today is a real case study of a man who was over his head in trouble, and he knew it. He had an impressive title. He had power. He had authority. He had a public image, and he had a reputation to protect. Yet he sidestepped the pressure, the pull, and the propensity to travel the low road of pride and chose rather to take the high road of prayer. Jehoshaphat understood that it was praying time. The story begins in 2 Chronicles verses 2 and 3 with the words, It happened after this the people of Moab with the people of Amnon and others with them besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. They are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Engedi." Now mind you, the nation of Israel had divided where there had been 12 unified tribes there were nine now 10 tribes in the north called Israel and two tribes in the south called Judah needless to say when they were together when Israel was a unified country they were much stronger than when they were apart besides at this critical junction Ahab, previous king of the northern kingdom, recently was killed recently in battle. The north now facing their own problems were useless to come to the aid of their brothers in the south. So here was Jehoshaphat and Judah facing a combined enemy whose sole purpose was to humiliate and eventually destroy them. And So the first three words of verse 3 captures the intensity of Ahab, of the king's crisis, of Jehoshaphat's crisis. Verse 3 begins, and Jehoshaphat feared. Now there are times in life when we all face fearful situations. It can be a physical issue, an x-ray, or doctor's report that is alarming. It can be a family matter, a son or a daughter who is going contrary to the ways in which they were raised. Perhaps they've turned their backs on everything you taught them about Jesus. They now have no interest in Christ or his church. Maybe it's a marital dilemma. The marriage you hope would last a lifetime now seems to be falling apart. You've tried counseling, but it doesn't seem to be working. It could be a financial problem. Circumstances beyond your control put you between a rock and a hard place. You're on the verge of losing your home, your cars, your vehicles, and all the possessions you work hard to accumulate. Maybe it's the job, the people at the job, the conditions on the job. Maybe they're going from bad to worse. Maybe you're one of those people who dread going to work. You leave for work on Monday desperately, Looking towards quitting time on Friday, it could be an emotional, a problem that you fear, and everything seems to be coming down on you, and you feel like one more thing. If one more thing goes wrong, you will snap. If you've been there, or if you are there now you have some idea of the immense fear King Jehoshaphat was facing. Yet what Jehoshaphat does next reveals the depth of his trust in God. Notice verse 3 again. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout the land. To seek the Lord was another way of saying Jehoshaphat prayed. Yes, right, right. Not only did he pray, but he declared a fast among the people requiring them to cease from Eden for a period of time in order that they may turn their attention to God in the prayer Jehoshaphat prayed and he called for a fast so that everybody could push the plate aside and began to focus on God in prayer in other words uh, Jehoshaphat realized that it was praying time So it was in verse 4, Judah gathered together to ask help from God. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Listen, they postponed meals, came together as a unified group in order to pray. Believe it or not, there are some things, prayer one of them, that is more important than eating at times. Jehoshaphat models the first step on behalf of God's people in dealing with things that come against us. Jehoshaphat's model is the first thing is prayer. Now, I know that flies in the face of popular and public opinion, opinion which says handle your own business Take matters into your own hands. Drum up all the support you can. See how many people you can sway to take your side. Use your suave, your sophistication, your smoothness, your skill sets first. And then if all else fails, then pray. But not Jehoshaphat. He resolved to pray first to get God's perspective first, to find out what God wanted him to do first. So how about you? When trouble rises, where do you turn first for help, for advice, for guidance, for counsel, for direction, and for support? Where do you turn first? You see, the reality is where we turn first is a good indicator, gauge, measurement, metric of who has dominant influence in our lives. It doesn't mean that other sources are not valid. It doesn't mean that other sources are not important. It simply means that where we turn first is usually the chief source of influence in our lives. So it was when King Jehoshaphat turned to God first instead of anyone else. It meant that his first priority for counsel came from God. And he, here's a footnote, and he was not ashamed to say so. Jehoshaphat was not embarrassed of his prayer life. He was not a closet prayer warrior. Jehoshaphat was not ashamed to say so. He was not embarrassed to say, it's praying time. We need prayer. Look at verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem. He stood up where everybody could see him in the house of the Lord and before the court. The king stood boldly before the people and let them know that it is praying time. Here it is, y'all. Clearly written on the pages of biblical history. The king of Judah... Leading a prayer meeting. Wouldn't it be wonderful in 2019 to have political, civic, social, private, business, and military leaders stand boldly before the people they lead and say it is praying time. Wouldn't that be marvelous? Wouldn't it be marvelous to see it on CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox News, on the Internet, all over the Internet, leaders standing up saying, It is praying time. Well, that's what King Jehoshaphat did. In seven verses of scripture, seven being the number of perfection or completion, mind you, the king poured out his heart to God in prayer in front of all of the people, in front of all of his constituents. He said in verse 6, in verse 6, he prayed about the power of God. He said, no one is able to defeat you. God, no one has any more power than, than you have. In verses 7 and 8, he prayed about the people of God, Abraham's descendants in the land that God gave to them. And as a result, they built a sanctuary in it for God's name. In verse 9, he prayed about the promise of God to hear God promised to hear and rescue and save his people who cry out before him. It's wonderful to pray back to God the promises that he has made to you. That's what Jehoshaphat does. He's praying back to God the promises of God to hear, to rescue, and to save his people who cry out to him. In verse 10, he prayed about the prerogative of God, saying, God, you would not allow Israel to destroy the people of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir when they came out of Egypt, but that's your prerogative. In verse 11, he prayed about the perplexity of God, saying, God, the very same people you would not allow Israel to destroy, back in the day, have now turned on us. God, that is perplexing to us how you would not allow us to destroy them, and now they have turned on him. Verse 11 captures the perplexity of God. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given to us. That was perplexing, and they prayed about it. Listen, it's all right to pray your perplexities to God, to say, God, I really don't understand this. Help me to see this. Help me to make sense out of this confusing situation. In verse 12, Jehoshaphat prays about the position. Of the people saying, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But here is our position. In all of the chaos, all of the confusion, all of the fear, all of the uncertainty, God, here is our position, but our eyes are upon you. We ought to just pray our position back to God. God, we're in this dilemma. God, we're in this mess. God, we don't know how you're going to work it out, but we'll know you're going to work it out. So our eyes are upon you, God, not upon our government, not upon the military, not upon our financial wherewithal, but our eyes are upon you, not upon our bank accounts, not upon our social contacts and connections, but our eyes are literally faced And focused upon you. It's praying time. In other words, God, our position at this point is to leave the matter in your hands. Has anybody besides me been there? Have you ever been to the point where you have done all that you can do and say all that you can say. and Still no change in your situation. You've planted, you've watered, you've cultivated, and still there is no growth. And so you throw your hands up and say, God, I have done all I know to do. It's in your hands, and all I can do is watch and wait for you to work it out. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there now. Well, that's where Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah were. Verse 13 states, now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. They were standing before God, looking to him to come through, to help them, to bring relief, to deliver them from the seemingly hopeless situation they faced. In fact, their situation, if the fact of their situation was on the six o'clock news, commentators, reporters would have said it's a done deal. It's curtain time. Lights out for Judah. Get the grave sites ready. But here's the shout. The king knew and the people knew je- that Jehovah God had the final say. Now, if you got any shout in you at all, that right there would bring it out. I know Moab is coming. I know the nights are coming, but Jehovah God has the final say. So they were looking expectantly to God for his answer. Verse 14 states, Then the Spirit of God came upon Jehaziel in the midst of the assembly. Verse 15, And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you king Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. What a statement. God said to his people, stop your fretting. Stop your fearing. Stop your stressing for while you are the apparent target of the enemy's hatred and aggression and while you are outnumbered and while the odds are not in your favor, the truth is this battle is not about you and not about what you can do. Rather, it's about what God and what God has promised to do. That was a statement, wasn't it? What a great statement from God. The battle is not yours, but it belongs to God. But not only there was, was there a statement, there was a stage. In verse 17, the word of the Lord said to the people, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself." Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. The stage is set. But The stage is set, but not in a conventional way. You see, you see, In a normal situation, the stage would have been completely different. In a normal situation, the people would have been commanded by the king to strap on their swords. Isn't that normal when we are up against something, when the fight is coming? The normal reaction is to strap on our swords. In a normal situation, the people would have been commanded by a king, Jehoshaphat, to strap on their swords, to, to stockpile their arrows, to put on their armor, to kiss their wives and children goodbye. Then gather around the commanders for a pep talk on how they must be brave and fly the flag high and how they must fight and, and die if necessary for their country. But instead of weapons, Jehoshaphat called for worship instead of putting old sword putting swords in their hands jehoshaphat called for songs in their hearts instead of placing commanders on the front line jehoshaphat put the choir in the forefront why because god does not always do normal sometimes god does Abnormals. Sometimes God does new stuff. Sometimes God does out of the ordinary stuff. God does not always do mundane stuff. Sometimes God does radical things, revolutionary things, things that have people scratching their heads in amazement wondering what just happened. Have you ever had those instances when God has done something great in your life, something wonderful in your life, and you're standing there baffled, scratching your head, wondering what just happened? You know what just happened. God did something abnormal. God does things that leaves people scratching their heads and amazing meant wondering what just happened. Things like telling Moses and the children of Israel to cross the Red Sea. Things like instructing Noah to build an ark when it wasn't even raining. The people had never seen rain, didn't know what rain was. People were laughing and making fun of Noah, but Noah built the ark anyhow. Things like taking a poor Jewish girl named Hadessa and sending her to beauty school and then making her a queen in order to deliver her people. Things like turning a shepherd boy named David into the king of Israel. Things like turning water into wine and having the master of the feast say, you have saved the best for last. Things like sending his son Jesus to die on the cross to save us from our sins, buried in a barred tomb, then raised him up on the third day Sunday morning with all power in his hands. That's not always, God does not always do normal stuff. And as a church, we need to look for God to do things outside of the normal. You see, people often take credit for normal stuff, don't they? Ordinary stuff, everyday stuff. But abnormal things, supernatural things, uncommon things, when they happen, people began to take note and say only God could have done that. When I think about just a year or so ago, an airplane flew in the direction of this church doing worship instead of the plane crashing into the church, it fell only feet away from the church. Nobody can say that pastor did that. Nobody can say that the pastoral staff did that. Nobody could take credit for that. That was supernatural. Everybody said on the news all across the state that that, that was abnormal. We understood that that was something that only God could have done and we praised him for it. So back in verse in the text, verse 17, the stage is set for the people to see something only God can do. So first there's the statement, then there's the stage, next comes the strategy. Verse 21, and when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And verses 22 and 23 recounts, now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set, get this, ambushes, uh-huh. right. right. plural. Yeah. Right. Ambushes against the people of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come out against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. In other words, they destroyed each other. The enemies of Judah destroyed each other. Notice, Jehoshaphat and the men of Judah did not lay a finger on the enemy. God did it all just as he had promised, just as he promised he would. And verse 24 says that when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were dead bodies falling on the earth. No one escaped There was a statement there was a stage there was a strategy and there was a su- success and it all began with prayer Because Jehoshaphat realized that it was praying time and he prayed not one finger on the enemy. They were all destroyed. And it all began with prayer. So here's the takeaway. Here's, here's the big idea. Here's what you can take and post on your refrigerator this week. First, always remember to make prayer your top priority. Pray first. Hymnologist, the hymnologist uh, had it right when he wrote, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Get this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Pray, y'all. Pray much and pray big. Second, when you pray, Don't always expect God to do normal stuff. In fact, when you pray, look for God to color outside the line. Step outside the box. Look for God to answer your prayers in unusual ways, in radical ways, and in revolutionary ways. And Then when the dealing is done, when the results are in, When people see something that only God could have done, God will get the glory. Third, never underestimate the power of prayer. Listen, we don't know how it works. We don't know all the dynamics of how prayer works. You hit the light switch in the church, to hit, the ushers hit the light switch. When I hit the light switch in the church at home, I don't know how it works. I don't understand all of the connections. All I know is that the lights come on. The air conditioning in our homes that we'll be needing a lot this summer. I don't understand how it works. All I know is that when I hit the switch the air comes on and the house gets cool. And frankly, y'all, that's all that matters to me. Let somebody else figure, all, figure it out. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Don't even worry about trying to explain how it works. Just do it because it works. When you pray, when you pray, God will bless your life in unprecedented ways. Jehoshaphat never dreamed that things would have turned out like they did. Not only did he and Judah win a decisive victory over their enemies without laying a finger on them, verse 25 says that they got such an abundance of valuables and precious jewelry from the dead soldiers, from the dead enemies, until it took them three days to gather it all up because there was so much. How about How's that for the power of prayer? Not only did God defeat the enemy, but God gave them the spoils from the battle that they never had to fight. All they needed to do, y'all, was pray. And fourth, for the entire month of March, the Good Hope Church family is practicing the spiritual discipline of prayer let me encourage you you have your prayer calendars if you don't with the scripture that you are to pray through pray back to god his word let me encourage every member good hope and church and, and every friend to read the scripture on your prayer calendar daily pray the scripture back to god and watch god do great things radical things revolutionary things Mountain moving things for you, your family and your church and then give God the glory.